And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of this show is all about you. Tapping my hands and my toes to the music coming on in. Uh, This is a show about all the ways in which you and me connect as we and what that means for all of us. Welcome back. I am your host, J.D.K. Winnikin. You can find out more about me at my website. That is wordsbyjdk.com and on my social media feeds at Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just look up my last name, W.Y.N.E.K.E.N. And you will see my mug pop up there uh, for you. I would love to chat with you, hear from you, and discuss whatever might be coming up for you from this show or anything else. So, welcome to episode 41 of this show for October 18th, 2021. And I'm excited about today's show. I'm excited about the show every week. Uh, particularly this one. This I felt particularly inspired this week. And uh, I'm actually really proud of the title. <laughs> and this is going to give you a clear idea of where we're going today. The title of today's episode is... We are all full of Shatner. We are all full of Shatner. Yes, we're going to be talking about William Shatner's voyage into space today, but hopefully in a way that uh, maybe you haven't seen discussed as of yet. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how I do. Uh, but the haiku for this episode today goes like this. Gives you an idea where we're going to go. Whether out in space or on our inward journeys, we don't stop moving. Whether out in space or on our inward journeys, we don't stop moving. All right, so before we get there, I'd like to make sure I thank our sponsor for this show. Once again, Airway Science for Kids. Um, They're really fired up by William Shatner's uh, visit to space as well. Uh, Airway Science for Kids is a nonprofit based down in the Portland, Oregon area that works with underserved kids to provide life and career pathways for them in aviation and aerospace. And they do so by not only introducing students of all ages to uh, aviation and aerospace concepts and basics, but also helping them take the individual steps um, on the course of their career path to building better lives for themselves with a focus on not only improving their career life, but also their emotional life, that of their families and that of their communities. And so if you'd like to know more about the great work that they do there, you can visit their website, airsci.org, A-I-R-S-C-I.org, or you can reach out directly to them at info at airwayscience.org. So, that in mind, thanks to them. And uh, let's talk a little bit. You probably saw in the news that last week, uh, Jeff Bezos, once again, using a, a rocket ship from his space company, Blue Origin, uh, himself and three others, and one of them was William Shatner, uh, took off for a short visit into space, about five minutes of weightlessness or so, about 66 miles above the Earth, launched from a, a pad in Texas, and, uh, and then William Shatner went up with him and then came back. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about his reaction to that, which is the focus of today's. But uh, William Shatner, of course, best known for his lo- role, longtime role on Star Trek as Captain James Tiberius Kirk. I mean, it's, he's, it's an iconic character uh, among iconic characters in the sci-fi world. And Jeff Bezos, who as a young boy was inspired by the Star Trek television series, uh, invited William Shatner, now 90 years old, to actually go into space. And it, uh, by doing so last week, William Shatner became the oldest human being to ever travel in space uh, at 90 years old. And uh, he got to fly for free, <laughs> which was an invite from Bezos. Must be real nice <laughs> to do that, um, which, is, which is not a small, uh, not a small thing, considering that uh, the prices for these trips to space are not advertised. <laughs> Uh, but they are definitely uh, very, very expensive. And so for him getting to go for free is a big deal. And it's part of the larger growing 
uh, competition between companies like Blue Origin and uh, Virgin Galactic, uh, Richard Branson's uh, company, and then, of course, Elon Musk's SpaceX, all of which are looking to use commercial business principles to uh, not only take tourists into space, but to expand the global space programs into exploration, into the solar system and beyond. And so this was one simple, small part of that. But uh, to say that this had a profound effect on Shatner is uh, an understatement. If you, uh, We'll talk about it in just a minute. But it really affected him and changed him in ways that really inspired my thinking in a number of different avenues today. And that's really what I want to talk about. Uh, and it begs the question, and some people have said it in different outlets, why him? Why William Shatner to go? I thought, you know, why not Mark Hamill? He was Luke Skywalker, right? <laughs> he could get to go too, right? But as I said, Bezos was inspired by uh, Star Trek as a kid. And it makes sense why. Star Trek is unique uh, and has been unique for a really long time in that it was a show that was first and foremost about exploration for the good of all humanity and broader creation. Something pretty noble in sci-fi stories then and now. A lot of science fiction um, <laughs> seemingly is about uh, aliens coming from far away to invade and exterminate all of us <laughs> on the planet. Uh, apparently we're a huge threat <laughs> to lots of places out there. Says something about our collective egos, perhaps. But the TV show of the 60s inspired a number of movies uh, with that same cast that Shatner was a part of and then new casts um, to explore this universe. And a number of new series have propped up recently uh, that show its continuing appeal decades after the original show. Its appeal, I think, at least certainly to me as I became more interested in it later, has been showing how we as human beings might and could transcend ourselves transcend our current rivalries, our current hatreds, and our limitations, emotional, cognitive, physical, as people by moving beyond the constraints of Earth, of its gravity, and more. The idea behind it, I think, that has continued to draw people to it, is that it is about the fact that exploring inspires people. It also forces people to adapt and confront new realities, new possibilities, to reevaluate themselves and to reevaluate what's possible as new things are discovered. And this happens on both an external and internal level. Star Trek is a, just as much about people growing inside as it is by exp of exploring what is outside. After all, bettering oneself and our connections with others in that show is the point of exploring space by finding out new things together as a crew, right? these, these people grew individually and collectively. They saw that what they once considered to be impossible become possible. And that, of course, is one of the large, the great allures of science fiction in general. Now, when I was a kid, I wasn't as much into Star Trek. I was into Star Wars. You can already tell. Right? <laughs> but that was really about something different. That was about conquering known space, <laughs> right? Just conquering it, <laughs> controlling it, or resisting people who were conquering it. It was a much more two-dimensional series of stories, more black and white, less introspective. And plus, it had the best bad guy ever in Darth Vader. And it had the force. It had lightsabers. <laughs> I like that a lot more. That was something that for a little kid, at least this little kid, uh, inspired a lot more than you know exploring some planet somewhere and discovering weird worms crawling around and what did it all mean, you know, that, that type of thing. But I digress. When I came to Star Trek, it was more as a teenager. And it started through the motion pictures, of which Shatner starred in. 
And it started with Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Right? Famous for Shatner shouting out Khan's name. Khan! And all that. Ricardo Montalban playing the, the bad guy character with his plastic pectoral muscles and all that stuff. But nevertheless, a, a, a great, fascinating story and a story in which uh, that was about friendship and sacrifice with uh, Spock, played by Leonard Nimoy, making the ultimate sacrifice in that movie uh, for his crew. And then, of course, coming back to life, because it is the movies, right? <laughs> but what I liked about it as a teenager was it was an interesting snapshot into what the 23rd century could look like if Earth became part of a larger known universe of other alien species, the United Federation of Planets. How would it be if we discovered or were discovered by intelligent life and it was intelligent life that wasn't interested in exterminating us, that was actually curious about exploration, that maybe had similar motivations? That was a really interesting set of ideas. And so that was what always drew me to it. And the storytelling was always good. And Shatner's character, James Kirk, was always at the center of it, growing over time from an overconfident, swashbuckling captain to somebody who cared deeply about others, who cared deeply about doing the job right, and simply refused to believe in no-win scenarios. So him going, getting to go to space for reals, as they say, <laughs> is, is really poetic in a lot of ways. But when he got back, I mean, I was excited for him, and you know, but when he got back, his reaction really surprised me. And if you have a chance to look at it on video, I, I highly suggest you do. Once he was out of the capsule and returned safely, after having spent a few minutes in weightlessness, um, he was in tears, standing next to, next to Bezos. And, and this is what he said. This, I'm just going to quote him. Quote, I'm so filled with emotion about what just happened. It's extraordinary. Extraordinary. It's so much larger than me and life. It hasn't got anything to do with little green men and the blue orb. It has to do with the enormity and the quickness and the suddenness of life and death. To see the blue color whip by you and now you're staring into blackness. Everybody in the world needs to do this. Everybody in the world needs to see this. I hope I never recover from this. It's that last line that, that really struck me. I hope I never recover from this. And when he was in flight, he, uh, a tweet from him uh, was programmed to go out while he was flying. And, and what he said was, that prior to that day, he was previously, quote, a boy playing on the seashore, whilst the great ocean of truth lay all undiscovered before me. He came back after that roughly 11-minute journey, <laughs> fundamentally changed, uh, at 90 years old. And here's the thing, as I was reflecting on it, I thought, he's right on two levels. First, everyone should be able to experience what he did. And that, of course, is the long term of commercial space, the competition I just talked about, although it is very slow going. You know, for a little historical perspective, it took only 66 years to go from the Wright brothers' successful flight at Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, to Apollo 11 landing on the moon. 66 years, that's one lifetime. And now it's been 52 years since that massive feat. So we're somewhat overdue for another leap <laughs> in the aviation and aerospace world. And that, that's exciting to me. Well, why is it taking so long? Well, in part, the space race back that led to the moon landing was to beat the Soviets. It had a political motivation and the moon was the finish line. There wasn't much beyond that at the time to think about. It wasn't like Star Trek. It was politics first with exploration and discovery and innovation, all a byproduct of that. 
President Kennedy and early in his administration had laid out the challenge of NASA landing on the moon by the end of the decade. And if you watch interviews or read pieces by those that were working at NASA at the time, they didn't think it was possible initially. But then they'd been commissioned to do it and given the money to do it, and they found a way to do it. So now, with, the, with that political element out of the way, in the end of the Cold War in the 1990s, any further exploration into space was going to be for exploration itself. Um, particularly maybe returning to the moon as is being planned now, but also the longer term of going to Mars, which of course is a, is a, a big goal that has been explored in a number of books and, and movies recently, and is certainly an important part of our larger mythology as human beings going back into the ancient world. But that's been about a different motivation. That's about exploration for exploration's sake. And that's not always as much of an impetus. We tend to be very here-focused. <laughs> We've got plenty of issues going on <laughs> on terra firma, don't we? Plenty, from climate change to inequality to political strife to war to pandemic, all those things. And certainly there are plenty that you can see in the news and on social media saying, why are we giving attention and money to sending people into space for short little jaunts that cost millions of dollars to do when there are a number of these other issues that they could be responding to instead. And I get that. Right? It's easy to be cynical about it. Billionaires using their money to play rocket ship. Right? I, I, I get where that comes from. Uh, I am also, though, on the side that says we have the capacity, both as a country and as humanity, to do both. To explore what is out there beyond us, because that is a natural part of what we wonder, again going back to the ancient world, and we have the ability alongside that to help create a healthier world here in every way, to address all the problems that I just mentioned. It doesn't have to be either or. The resources that we have at our disposal to do those, both of brain power and willpower and otherwise, are plentiful beyond what I think most of us really see. The notion of exploring space could very well be a key to the future. We just don't know. It's one of those things that you do because why might it be good? You can't necessarily predict it. However, <laughs> it does show what human beings are capable of. And then just because we need to be present where we are today does not mean that we don't plan for the future. We don't explore what's out there and see what new possibilities can emerge as realities. Because, for example, as, as Ask knows down in, in Portland, nothing inspires more in humans these days than flight and space. Of people going to places that they haven't gone before, moving beyond our own limits. But here's the thing, and this is really the, the thrust of what I've been thinking about since Shatner's words the other day. As we move towards getting to space more easily, and hopefully more of us be able to do that, we can still experience a taste of that expansion in ourselves. After all, let's go back to what Shatner really experienced. The, eternal, the external experience, I should say, changed his internal landscape. That's what he was responding to. The beauty of his externals, of what he saw, changed him internally. It changed his sense of himself, his sense of his place in the world, and beyond. I would also hazard a guess, it changed his, kind of his understanding of what really matters. If you talk to other astronauts who have been up for longer stays, whether on the International Space Station or Apollo or shuttle, whatever, they will talk about similar things. You simply cannot view yourselves and the world 
and larger existence the same way after you've been to space. Of course, we can do something similar, maybe not as grand, maybe not as literally rocket shooting into the air kind of excitement, but we can do that with our own externals as well. It's, it's a fundamental part of our hardwiring. It's why we love to, for example, and should travel to places that move us. It's why we spend time in natural beauty. It's why we seek out to experience new things on our own and with other people that we care about. It's what drives us to do things as basic as try new foods or experience new cultures <laughs> or try something new like learning to play an instrument. Going to space is, yes, a big ultimate expression of all that. But it really stems from our inner desire and our need, I would say, to grow and push past ourselves, to experience things that, like Shatner, quote, we can't recover from or don't want to recover from. We spend a lot of time talking about the things that happen to us that are bad that we want to recover from, that we want to heal from, that we want to move past. And those are all important. But right alongside that sometimes, there are all those beautiful things that, like Shatner said, I don't think we do want to recover from. We want those things to change us. And if you go through your own mental Rolodex of your life, I'm sure you'll see some of these. Going to a new place, natural or historical, seeing things like, for me, Grand Teton National Park or Hawaii Volcanoes National Park or the Amalfi Coast in southern Italy or walking the length of Omaha Beach, Normandy, going to Pearl Harbor. Those places had effects on me that I am glad I have not recovered from. I'm glad those are things that when I really step back close my eyes, I can remember so much of it. Like not just what I saw and what I did, but the feel of it, the sounds of it, the smells of it, the tastes of it. Our bodies are wonderful machines in that it, they take in and they store all this information, even better than computers store the information that we put into it. And the new experiences that we try, like for me, bungee jumping, doing a triathlon, learning a new instrument, writing a novel, those took me to places that changed my internal landscape. It could be other things. Discovering what it feels like to truly love someone and be loved in ways beyond how you envisioned it or have experienced it before. To experience connection with yourself or to, to take, get a taste of inner peace even for just a moment. To have the experience of being okay in the midst of a crisis and recognizing that maybe you're a little stronger than you thought you were. Or on something you're a little smarter than you thought you were or some other person told you that you were. That maybe you have talents that you didn't know to discover that. <laughs> to be inspired by something. Whatever it is, when we discover these eternal things, we naturally want to see and do more of them. And we also cannot go back to the way things were. That change is constant. I'm hesitant to speak for Mr. Shatner, but I would guess that looking back, he'll go, well, there was a pre going into space Shatner and a post going into space Shatner on some level. Our landscapes and our perspectives are designed, meant to change and grow, to become more dynamic and developed. We are designed to go <laughs> where we have not gone before. And we do that every day, or at least we can. 
So what does it take? It's easy to be cynical about Bezos, to, to be able to say, it takes somebody with millions of dollars willing to put me on top of a rocket ship for free. But what I'm talking about doesn't cost, is also free, and it doesn't require anybody else to give it to you, or give it to any of us. A sense of wonder, of curiosity, a willingness to take healthy risks, of recognizing that we always have more to learn. A desire to improve ourselves, even if we already think we're pretty good. To discover what we might not even know about ourselves. And then, through that experience, connecting with others and help them do the same. Yeah. Do I wish I could go to space? I do. <laughs> I, I've been saying since I was a kid, people said, would you go up in the space shuttle? Would you go up in a Russian rocket? Would you go up on any of these? Yes, I would. In a heartbeat. And yeah, I think I would have all the emotions that everybody talks about. It would be a little scary. It would be certainly exciting. And it would be worth the risk to go there. And so, yet while I didn't go to space, yet, <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there, I am full of Shatner in the sense that I have things that I don't want to recover from too. We all do. We are all full of Shatner in some way, shape, or form. The key, I think, is for us to just admit it, connect with it more. And from that, it seems to me, our own voyages can commence. And from that, we'll never be the same. Now, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm giving a pretty sunny disposition here to this whole thing. I know I am, but that's okay. Just because there's more cynical points of view to take from that doesn't make the sunny version of this any less true or any less real or any less relevant. That said, I think people in positions like Bezos and Branson and Musk can go a little further and they can help with all of this. And here's an idea for any of them <laughs> who might be listening, right? Or if any of you know them, send this to them. Here's an idea. Maybe make every 10th ticket that you make available to take someone to space, make it free for somebody. And not just for celebrities that people will know or prominent figures, but everyday people. Bezos sent the oldest person into space. Maybe now he can shoot for sending the youngest. Send a teenager. Send a kid. Can you imagine the parental release form for that? <laughs> Send a kid. Send somebody who's at the start of their life. Show them from a young age what might be possible, where they could go, what they could do, what they could experience. If anybody's looking for kids who might be willing to do that, I know several hundred <laughs> down in the Portland area who would jump at an opportunity to do this. And honestly, as excited as I would be if somebody gave me a ticket to go to space, but I had a chance to give it to a kid who was just starting out, I think I would. So make it happen. Bezos, Branson, Musk, calling you guys out. I like what you're doing space-wise. <laughs> I get why you're doing it. And there's also more you can do. You can afford it. You can afford to send every 10th person up into space for free and have it be somebody who just wants to do it because they're human. And it gives them something else to shoot for well beyond space, even if they never go again. 
give more people the chance to never recover from an external and internal voyage like no one else. Like none other. Wouldn't get any better than that. And, and who knows what that will inspire. You send up a kid, that might be the person who figures out or designs the rocket engines that will take us to Mars faster. Maybe they'll be the first person to set foot on the Martian soil someday. Maybe they'll be the ones to go to Titan, one of the moons around Jupiter. Maybe they'll be one of the ones who just gets on a ship and says, we're just going to go and see what happens. You never know what you might do. You never know who you might inspire. And you no way to predict what they might mean, not just to humanity, but also what it'll mean for themselves. So those are my thoughts on this. It was really cool. Um, I will always watch a rocket launch. It <laughs> doesn't matter where they are. It's an amazing technological achievement that we know how to do this. When 100 years ago, we were still figuring out how to keep people in the air without them dying. <laughs> we're much better at that now. So hopefully you're inspired by this episode of this show is all about you this week. Hopefully. And even if you aren't, I'd love to hear from you one way or the other. You can find me at my website, wordsbyjdk.com. You can also find me on my social media feeds at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, you can also uh, listen to this show as a podcast on your favorite, uh, your favorite platforms, as well as at the website for Alternative Talk KKNW 1150 here in Seattle. Thanks again to Airway Science for Kids for their sponsorship of this show. Thank you to all of you for listening and spending some time uh, with me today. So see you next week. And until next time, chins up, everyone. Take a good look at what's up there in the cosmos. See you later. <laughs>